Well, last week, I think many of you will remember that we began looking in chapter 2 in this study of Ecclesiastes, and as we did so, we watched as Solomon talked about his experience and some of his pursuits. He, watched, or he talked about how he uh, pursued laughter and uh, folly and pleasure, and he was going to live a good life. He was going to live a fun life, a happy life. And what he discovered is this, is that with all the joy and all the laughter and all the gladness, he still found himself empty because you and I know and you and I understand that life is not just one big party, that there are responsibilities and there are issues that we face. And if we're going to approach life just trying to have fun, one day that will run its course and it will leave us empty. So then Solomon went on to talk about how he endeavored or he involved himself in great works and he built himself many wonderful things and and he acquired so much that the world had to offer. And, And though he enjoyed the process, what he said was this, is at the end of it, that too was vanity and a vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun. And the amazing thing in all of that was this is that Solomon, in the midst of these pursuits that led him nowhere profitable and nowhere enjoyable, Solomon really believed that he was living according to wisdom. And last week I tried to remind us that there are so many people who are enjoying the pursuits involved in the obtaining of this world. They enjoy doing this and going here and acquiring this and and, and all that life has to offer, and yet here's what they discover at the end. As enjoyable as that process may have been, there was no value to it, and there was no point to it, and there was no profit to it. The only way that our lives have purpose and meaning and profit and value to them is not when we are well acquainted with worldly wisdom, but when we are well acquainted with biblical wisdom. When that is what we are pursuing, there is a vast, vast difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And if godly wisdom is not our pursuit, then no matter what else we accomplish in this life, we will be empty. It's just that simple. There are many people who have far more than you and I will ever acquire, and they are empty. And we know this to be true, that there are people who have far less than us And they are satisfied and content because the contentment that we seek in life does not come from the things of this world. And we have got to remember that over and over again. We have got to be reminded and we have to remember such a truth. This morning we're going to continue looking at verses 12 through 17. Before we get there, I want to run a scenario by you. All right. You'll have to use your imagination for just a moment, but it shouldn't be too hard to do, except maybe on a day like today. But I want you to imagine for just a moment that you've been watching the weather reports. As you're watching the weather reports, here is what one meteorologist after another is explaining on TV, on the radio, the Internet, wherever you get your weather. They are saying that a system is moving in, a system is blowing in, and as that system moves in, the temperatures are going to plummet, the temperatures are going to fall, it is going to be cold, the wind is going to blow, it's going to rain at points in the day. It's one of those days where you know it's just going to be nasty. 
There's no avoiding it. There's no getting around it. There's no, no maybe they've missed it. It's just as, as clear as it can be. It is going to be a nasty day. And in addition to that, here's what you also know, that you've already got plans for that day that cannot be changed. They cannot be altered. You've got appointments that you've got to be at. You've got places that you have to be. And so here's what you know with this nasty day coming. You are going to be in the midst of this nasty day. You are going to be right out there in the elements with the wind, with this, the rain, whatever it may be. So here you are knowing that this is going to be a part of your life on this particular day. And so here's what common sense does. Common sense demands of us that we prepare for that day. Would you not agree? If the weather is going to be changing, if it's going to be nasty, if it's going to be awful conditions, then common sense says, let's plan for that day that is approaching. So what would you do? Well, if you've got common sense, if you've got some, some activity going on up there, here's what you're going to do. You're going to dress warmer than you otherwise would. You may pull out the heavier jacket. You may pull out the scarf. You may make sure that the gloves are in the car. Whatever it may be, you're going to make sure that you are as best prepared for that day as possible, not because it will make the day better, but it will be better for you because you are prepared for it. You understand this principle, right? I know this is silly, but you can understand this, right? It's not as though you being prepared for that day is going to change the day, but it will make that day better for you because you properly prepared for it. And then this would also be true. That at the end of the day, when you come home from your appointments, from the engagements you've had, whatever it was you had to do, when you come in finally to that warm home, and you're out of the elements, though it were or was a nasty day, you will not begrudge or regret the way you planned for it. You're not going to come inside and say, I don't know why I packed a heavy jacket, and I don't know why I wore that scarf and took those gloves. No. Again, your common sense would say something like this. Because I had to face the day, I'm glad that I prepared for it and made that day as good as it could be. You understand that, do you not? Now, as that is so, we'll get back to that little silly principle in just a moment. But I want us to jump down to verse number 17 this morning. That's where we're going to begin. Because I want us to understand... Solomon's spirit as we get into this message today, all right? The first four words are, they're, they're just wonderful words, aren't they? Uh, verse number 17, therefore I hated life. Therefore I hated life. Now think about that statement for just a moment. Solomon says, you know what? I hate life. Though I have great projects that I have engaged in and accomplished, though I have possessions, though I have never told myself no about anything, whatever my eyes wanted, that's what I got. As we come to verse number 17, here Solomon says of his own 
personal life. I hated it. Now, isn't that a, uh, just a pitiful position to find yourself in? Now, you and I know that there are many people who hate life and for many different reasons, but here is Solomon, and from what we know of him, we would say it like this, if anyone should have loved life, it should have been you, and yet Solomon hated life. He said he hated life because the work that is wrought or accomplished under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, I don't want to repeat too much in this message over what we've dealt with the last few weeks, but here is Solomon once again saying this of everything he had accomplished in life. It was vanity. It was empty. It was pointless. There was no profit. There was no value to it. And as a result of it being vanity and it being a vexation of spirit, what it means then is this. It left him longing in his soul. There was no satisfaction found in anything he accomplished. So as we go through this message this morning, here's what I want us to know that Solomon has not turned a corner in his spiritual life as of yet. It's not as though things are getting better for him and things are looking up for him. No, at the end of this analysis that we're about to look at, at the end of this journey that, that Solomon is about to tell us about, here's what he's going to say, man, I hate life. Well, guess what, Solomon? That's your fault. That's your problem. So why did Solomon come to this conclusion once more that he hated life and that it was vanity and vexation of spirit. Well, notice in verse number 12 what he said. He said, And I turned to myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? Now, the last part of verse number 12, I'll admit, is kind of difficult to know exactly what he is saying and what he is trying to uh, uh, convey but in the first part of the verse, it's fairly simple to understand. He said that he turned or he gave himself to behold or to consider wisdom and madness and folly. And so here's what some scholars believe, is that after already studying these things out, that Solomon went back and observed these things and considered these things once more, maybe with the idea that he had missed something in his previous studies, in his previous endeavors. I don't know if that's true, but that's just what some tend to think. But as he turned himself or he gave himself to consider wisdom and madness and folly, notice what he said in verse number 13. He said, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness. What does it mean for wisdom to excel folly? It simply means this, that wisdom is better than folly, or wisdom is better than foolishness, and wisdom is better than simplicity. Wisdom is better than ignorance. He said, as far as light is better than or excelleth darkness, though the same would be true of wisdom, that it is better than folly. Now, you and I, we would say, I think, this morning, amen to that, would we not? That wisdom does excel folly, that wisdom is better than foolishness, that wisdom is better than ignorance or simplicity. So in verse number 14, in elaborating on that, he said, The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. Well, what is he saying? He is saying this. 
that with the light of wisdom, so to speak, by way of analogy, that wisdom, it allows the man or the individual to see where they are going in life rather than the fool who walks in darkness. So when a person has wisdom, when a person has understanding, when a person has that discernment, Solomon says it allows them to be able to see where they're going, the direction their life is taking, uh, going, rather than the fool who is walking in darkness. But in verse number 14, he follows that up by saying this, And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Solomon says, here's what I've done. I have turned myself to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. Wisdom is better than folly, like light is better than darkness. Wisdom allows a man to walk with understanding and discernment and, and discretion in his life, while the fool has no understanding of where he is going. But I perceived something in this journey of understanding. He said, I perceived also that one event happeneth to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're wise or if you're a fool. It doesn't matter if you have understanding or if you are ignorant. He said in verse number 14 that one event happeneth to them all. So what is that event? Well, as you read through the scriptures, here's what you find. That Solomon is talking about the event of death. That death happens in the life of every person. There is no one who will escape this subject of death. That is a day that everyone has an appointment with. So it doesn't matter if the person is wise and intelligent and has understanding. It doesn't matter if they are that person or the person who has walked in great ignorance the same event is going to take place in everyone's life. Everyone is going to die. As that is so, notice in verse number 16. At the end of it, he said, And how dieth the wise man? As the fool. So here is Solomon declaring that the wise die just like the fool. And in verse number 16, before you get to that statement, he bemoans what he said already. In chapter 1, he said, For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall be forgotten. Well, is that true? The answer is yes. It doesn't matter if you're wise or if you're a fool. One day you're going to die. The fool will die as the wise person. This event happens to everyone the same. And once you're gone, whether you were wise or whether you were a fool, at some point in the future there will be no remembrance of you. No wonder he said in verse 17, Therefore I hated life. When you live with this painful reality that we're all going to die, there is this day that none of us are going to escape. It doesn't matter if you're wise or foolish. It's going to happen to all of us, and soon you'll be forgotten. No wonder, Solomon would say, because he was far from God in his personal walk, no wonder he would say, I hated life. 
It's kind of difficult, is it not, to know one day you'll die, be forgotten, and say, man, I love this process. So here is Solomon conveying all this, but notice back in verse number 15. Remember that Solomon has declared that wisdom excelleth folly. That's one of the things that he discovered in this journey that he took by way of an intellectual understanding. But as he has understood all that and realizes that, in verse number 15 he said, Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. You understand what Solomon's just done, don't you? He's made this personal. For myself, I will not escape this day any more than the greatest fool in the world. As it hath happened to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. Solomon could tell he was getting older, not younger. Losing the strength, not gaining the strength. Losing the vigor, not gaining it. He could tell that he was going the same direction as everyone else. And so he said in verse number 15 that as it was happening to him, he asked this question, and why was I then more wise? As Solomon recognizes, I'm going to die, that I'll not escape this event, this event like anyone else, he asked this question, why was I then more wise? You know what he's asking? He's asking, what good did this wisdom do me? This understanding that I have, this intelligence that I have, this discernment that I have, this discretion that I have, what good did it do me? Now, I don't know about you, but as I read through this text, and I don't know if as you've heard this, I don't know if maybe you've said to yourself at all, Solomon, how can you be so stupid and so smart at the same time? Because he's talking about his wisdom, he's talking about his understanding, this, this discernment that he has, and he says to himself with this one event that happeneth to all of us, how do the fools die? The same as the wise. How do the wise men die? The same as the fool. It's going to happen to me. So I ask myself this question, so why did I even bother with this thing called wisdom? In verse number 15, after he asked himself, why was I then more wise, he went on to say this. Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. You know what Solomon just said? He just said that wisdom, understanding, knowledge, discernment, discretion... He said, every bit of this is vanity. It is empty. It is pointless. It is profitless. There is no value to it. For this reason, like everyone else, I'm going to die and I won't be remembered. Wisdom is a waste of time. Now again, I can't help but say to myself, Solomon, how can you be that dumb? 
for this reason. Common sense ought to say to you, though that day cannot be avoided, you want to make the days as good as possible so that when that day comes, it wasn't miserable that you had to engage in the process. Does this make sense? Go back to the silly little story that I opened with. Okay, a day is coming. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be cold. The wind is going to be fierce. The rain is going to be falling. It's going to be a miserable day. Okay, I understand that. So what am I going to do? Common sense says I'll prepare for that day. Not that I'm going to change the events. Not that I'm going to somehow get around those events. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to prepare so that as I go through that day, that at the end of the day, the day was as good as it could have been that I had done everything within my power to make it a good day. Here is Solomon and he is looking at the reality of death and he's saying, well, how do the wise die? Well, they die just like the fools and man, I'm going to die and it's not going to escape me and I'm not going to get away from it. So why did I even bother getting wisdom? Even wisdom itself is vanity. No, you fool, it is not vanity. The wisdom is of great importance. The wisdom is of great price. Why? So that when you come to that day, that event that you will not escape, you can look back and say this, the days were as enjoyable and as pleasant as it could otherwise be. I cannot imagine what this day would look like if the wisdom had not been a part of my life. To say that wisdom is vanity, that it is empty and that it is pointless and that there is no value to it? Come on, Solomon. It is the wisdom that allows the days to be better than what they would otherwise be so that when you come to the event that you cannot escape, you can say with some joy and with some gladness and with some some peace that you handled the days as well as it could be handled throughout the days that God gave you. Why is that important to consider? Why is it important to see Solomon's analogy and Solomon's thought process? It's important for this reason. Every one of us are going to die. If you wanted an encouraging message this morning, that may not be the best way to start it, but it's true. I'm going to die. You're going to die. There is an event that is going to happen to all of us, and none of us are going to escape it. Now, I don't know about you. You may be far more godly than I. You may be of a far better spirit than myself. But, but as I look at that event, you know what I'd like to do right now? I'd like to postpone it just as long as possible. I, I'm not rushing toward it thinking, you know, this would be great. Just let it be today that something happens to me. I, I don't want to die, but, but here's what I know. I'm going to die and you're going to die. It is an event that none of us will escape. Now, as that is so, 
Some could be of the opinion or of the mindset of Solomon that would say something like this. Well, if I'm just going to die and one day be forgotten, then what difference does it make what I do today? There are people with such an attitude. There are people with such an approach to life. Listen, if I'm just going to die, and if one day I'm just going to be forgotten, if, if one day, you know, it's all over for me and they put me in the ground or, or whatever they do to me, I don't even really care. If, if that's just what's going to happen to me, then what difference does it make what I do today? It makes all the difference in the world. Because what we do with today prepares us for that event that will not be able to escape and the perspective we will have had on the life God gave us. I want to be as prepared for that day, though unenjoyable it appears right now, I want to be as prepared for that day as I possibly can. And the only way that I can be prepared for that day like I want to be is if I see the profit and the value and the importance of godly biblical wisdom. This may be meaning more to me than it is to you right now. I don't know. But, but see, here, here's what I was thinking about as I prepared this and put it together. All right, it's kind of like a cold, nasty, rainy, horrible day, okay? Me wearing gloves, hey, it's not going to make my day perfect. It'll make my day better, though. Amen. That kind of a day, me wearing a jacket, it won't make the day perfect, but it'll make it a whole lot better, okay? Here's what I got to thinking. You know, this biblical wisdom, it's not vanity, it's not vanity. It's not empty. It's not worthless. It's not pointless. Why? Because though it will not make life perfect, it's going to make this life a whole lot better. Amen. Biblical wisdom will not give me a perfect marriage, but I can promise you this, it'll give me a better marriage. Amen. So that whenever I get to that event that no one escapes, I can look back over the years and say, God blessed with a good marriage. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't without its faults. It wasn't without its flaws. But by the grace of God, because of some biblical wisdom that was implemented along the way, thank you, God, that in the midst of this, I am able to say, thank you, Lord, for the marriage you gave me. Listen, 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 listen. A, a, a biblical approach to life with biblical wisdom will not bring about perfect children. But it can bring about some children who know how to walk with God and who know how to serve the Lord. So on that day, maybe whenever everybody is assembled around me, I can look up in the face of my kids and maybe their spouses and maybe into the faces of my grandkids and say something like this. You know what? Biblical wisdom didn't give me a perfect family, but man, it produced a good family that I am thankful for today. Amen. How could I begin to think that there is no profit and no worth in this thing called wisdom. 
I think some of us are missing the point of this. Biblical wisdom will not give me perfect riches. I have a feeling I'm going to go out much like I came in. With nothing. And you know what? If biblical wisdom has been a part of my life, I'll still see the value of the biblical wisdom. Keeping all the things of this world in perspective as good as possible. I mean, it won't be perfect, but it'll be better than what it otherwise was. Biblical wisdom won't keep me from making mistakes because I'm still a human with a a fallen nature, but biblical wisdom will get me to that point, that event that none of us will escape, escape, and, and I'll be able to say this, by the grace of God, I avoided so many pitfalls that so many other people fell into. Do you see the foolishness of Solomon's statement? I'm going to die, and I won't be remembered, and as the fool dies, so I die. So what good did this do me anyways? Well, if you would have done it right, you wouldn't be at a point in your life where you're saying, what profit is there to this? But because he did it so wrong for so long, as he compared wisdom to madness and folly, he basically said, you know what, wisdom is a waste of time. And in that statement alone, the foolishness of Solomon was revealed. The benefit of biblical wisdom is priceless. It is worth far more than anything you and I could acquire in this life. And while that is so, and while that is true, here's what I wonder. Just take it for what it's worth. I don't mean anything negative by it. I'm not trying to sneak in some way and make anyone feel guilty or bad or anything of that nature. But here's what I wonder. This being the fifth message out of the book of Ecclesiastes seeing the vanity of life over and over again, regardless of what area of life is being considered, knowing the importance and the value of wisdom in everyday life so that it can prepare us for that one event that none of us will escape. I wonder, after four messages, this being the fifth, how many are still going through their lives without an appetite and a hunger for godly biblical wisdom. Because truth be told, you've yet to see the value and the benefit of it. Someone says, well, Brother Kyle, what exactly do you mean by that? I mean this. Okay, we've been in this series now for a month. We've been dealing with this now for several weeks. We've been looking at this, and it's only going to continue. I wonder in the last four weeks, what kind of an appetite has this produced in us to know biblical wisdom, to know biblical knowledge, to have a biblical approach to life, so that when a day like this event with death takes place, we don't approach it with all these regrets and this attitude of, uh, of what good did it do me? I wonder how much are we as God's people today pursuing godly wisdom? 
In the last month, has this changed our prayer life at all? In the last four weeks, can we look back and say, you know, because of, of this reminder from the book of Ecclesiastes, I don't want my life to be in vain. I don't want my work to be in vain. I don't want my, my, my personal life to be pointless in all this. As a result of those truths, has it prompted you and I to say, God, I need your wisdom. Has it prompted within us this appetite, this hunger to say, God, I want your direction for my life. Not what this world tells me what is important. Not what the world tries to promote and push you know, into my life. God, I want to know what's important to you. To what extent has any of this changed us? Because if we don't want to be like Solomon one day, where we're sitting around, whether we're saying it out loud or just saying it in our heart, that we hate life, if we don't want to get there, we better have an appetite for biblical, godly wisdom. Does this make sense? If you're still not praying for wisdom throughout the week, you're going to reach a point where you're empty. If this is not a desire of yours, if this is not a concern, if this is not a priority of yours, you will at some point reach this, pro or the, this thought process in your mind and heart, if nowhere else, of what was the point of all this. And without the wisdom of God... The answer is, again, there was no point. And there was no profit in this. If all we do is live and exist and fill a space for a few years, but we're not prepared for that day, we will arrive there with great regret and emptiness in our life. I want us, every one of us, at the end of our day, though we would have to admit, you know what, it wasn't perfect. This life wasn't perfect. Nothing about my life was perfect. But I want us to be able to say that when we reach the end of our day, that though life was not perfect, it was oh so much better because we lived this life according to the biblical, godly wisdom made available to us. I just want to challenge us one more time. If you're not pursuing biblical wisdom, if you're not pursuing the wisdom of God in your life, you need to begin. Because you may sit here this morning and say, Brother Kyle, you don't know how good I've got it. Brother Kyle, you don't understand what kind of situation I'm in. I may not know, but I know this. It's no better than what Solomon had. And Solomon came up empty. And if you think you'll live according to some kind of a different rule than what Solomon lived by, Satan's got you right where he wants you because you're believing a lie. I'm just telling us, if we don't want to hate life, and come to this point, this day in our life that cannot be avoided, 
if we don't want to reach that point and have all sorts of regrets and things of that nature, then what we better do is start getting serious about wisdom or we're going to end up someplace we don't want to be. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm just saying there is great value in biblical wisdom to be had if we'll pursue it and do what it takes to acquire it. All right? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, I know that only you know the hearts of your people. God, only you know to what extent the men and women of this church and the young men and women of this church are pursuing your wisdom. God, how often we pray for it, how often we seek it out, how often we come to you admitting our own weaknesses and our inabilities. God, I pray that if there's any in here this morning who would have to be honest and say, we haven't been pursuing it like we ought, that you would help us today to get serious about biblical wisdom. It would be terrible, and we know this, but it would be terrible for there to be people who reach a point in their life where they say they hate life because they've seen no benefit in what they thought was wisdom. So God, would you help us today to see the benefit of biblical wisdom and to pursue it like we should so that we can be ready for that day. In Jesus' name, amen.